times. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Speaking of bad fans, Michael Bumpus, the Dodgers, rough week. Oh, goodness gracious. So embarrassing. The messed up part is I'm used to it, though. Like, we grew up with stuff like that happening at Dodger Stadium, unfortunately. So, yeah, rough. Usually, usually it's San Francisco fans, though. Like, that's that's usually where the problems occur because you got San Francisco Giant fans and Dodger fans. It's weird because I don't identify either of those fan bases as being particularly uh, prone to violence. Yet you put them together and they brawl. You just ain't been to enough Dodger games. Yeah. <laughs> it it always it goes crowd? down in the outfield, man. Crowd. In the outfield, it goes down. In the parking lot, it goes down. Like, you go with people after the game, you just grab your stuff and, and dip. Don't hang out. No kidding. Yeah. I always think of them as the crowd that shows up in the third inning and leaves in the seventh. There was yeah. legit, like, a gang that was sitting in front of me, the Dodger game I went to, and it was against the Pirates. And I was like, yep, these aren't Pirates fans. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are just wearing Pirates gear, that is for sure. <laughs> All right, question one for you, Michael Bump. It says Seahawks training camp is underway. You've returned punts before. DJ Reed being the full-time guy at cornerback means that maybe it's not in his best interest to have him back there. And obviously the last time we saw him return a kick, he fumbled. Should DJ Reed be the full-time guy at punt returner too? Or should somebody else be in that spot? Here's the thing, Paul. I appreciate when guys can be a starter on offense or defense and do returns, right? It's a dying breed. I mean, Dion did it the best I've ever seen. Hester played a little bit on both sides of the ball. Not really. He kind of specialized at the return game. Dante Hall, the same thing. If DJ Reed is capable, if they believe in him, I would love to see him back there, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, here's the guy that needs to give it a good go. Mr. John Ursua. You've been in the program for a while. You're trying to find your way on the field. I don't know if he's even returned punts before, but if you want to solidify yourself a spot on this team, he has to get into the return game. And I think because he's a slot receiver, because he's shifty, it's going to be perfect for pump returns. You don't want your pump return to be a 100-meter guy, a guy who can run straight and has all that speed. That's for kickoff return. You want a guy with some wiggle because once you catch that football, you're going to have four or five lines in your face trying to take you down. So you need that shifty guy. I think this might be a way for John Ursua to finally establish himself on this roster. So if it's not DJ, I think you got to go Ursua, and then you're going to give Penny a look too. The thing that is most interesting to me is how often you have guys punt returners and kick returners are two different cats yep like dudes that return punts generally do not want to return kickoffs and vice versa and in getting to it the explanation that i always heard was that the punt returners feel like dude you're gonna get blasted running full speed by another dude running full speed and and i i want a chance to make him miss and and the the kickoff returners look at it like I want to be able to see who's coming at me. I don't, I don't want somebody getting a free shot at me. It's always because you think of those as overlapping, but they're really they're, they're two different jobs. Yeah, they are two different jobs and two different styles. The only guy I've seen that kind of could do both was Devin Hester. He could return kickoffs and he can return punts. But you think about the great kick returners, right? The first one that comes to my head off top is like Ted Ginn, right? Great kick returner. 
long, big strides, about 6'3". And then you think about the great pump returners. First guy that pops in my head, Dante Hall, the smallest guy out there, shifty, making a move. It's just different styles. So, um, yeah, and I like that mentality. Me, I was I was not a 100-meter guy. Man, my RPMs topped out around 60 yards. I wouldn't get any faster after 60 yards. So what do you do? You put that guy in a pump return where he's, he's got some wiggle. Different type of mentality, different type of player. The only guy that I've seen being able to do both effectively is the great Devin Hester. God, Hester was so fun when he got the ball. Like, if you ever sit there, he is... Deion Sanders, Devin Hester are my two favorite YouTube athletes in the NFL. Where you just go watch clips of how those guys moved with the ball, and it was wild. Hester, Hester is crazy, the things he did. It, it, you know who I watched, side note, and I almost forgot how great he was? Charles Woodson, man. When the ball oh, was in yeah. his hand, oh my God. I, I'm like, how did I almost forget about this dude? So, And he was a returner as well, Yes, in he college was. at least. Yeah, God, he was great. I was there when he won the Heisman at the Downtown Athletic Club. That was so cool. He was, he had an interception that year that remains one of the most incredible. It was a one-footed catch on the sideline where he reached up with his right and touched his foot with his left. Like, it was just an insane understanding of where he was, degree of difficulty of catch. God, Woodson was awesome. Dante Question Hall, two. another good one. Dante Hall, yes. Dante yeah. Hall was a video game. Question two. Do the offensive troubles on Wednesday's practice concern you? You know what? I, I looked at my, my good friend Paul Gallant's IG and, and listened to him talk about it. And you was on point, man. You pointed out all the things that they messed up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. That sounds good. But, no, I'm thankful it finally happened because it was bound to happen. That That is football. That is training camp. That's football on every single level. There are going to be days, maybe multiple days, where the offense just struggles, where you can't get a snap, where you're dropping footballs, where you're throwing interceptions. It's almost like a rite of passage. You're like, okay, we finally got that over with. Now we can focus on whatever else we need to focus on. So, no, I'm not worried at all because every camp that I've been a part of, every camp that I've coached, every camp that I've covered, it happens. I was almost worried that things were going too smooth. I'm like, look, man, you guys keep looking sharp and crisp out here. These fans are going to have expectations that you just can't meet. So it's nice to humble everybody, nice to humble the coaches, the players, the fans, and say, look, this is still a work in progress. Even after that bad day, there are going to be bad games. There are going to be bad series. There's no perfect offense. There's going to be no perfect drives. So, no, I'm not worried at all. I think it, it, it makes guys go back to the drawing board and say, okay, let's get back to the fundamentals. Why, were, why was ball security so just garbage the other day? Why were our reads off? What do we have to do to fix these things? So, no, I'm not worried at all. I'm actually grateful that it finally came, and I enjoyed Gallant's wrench after the practice. You know what? It wasn't. It wasn't really a rant because, but my my reaction is is similar to yours in that I I think they needed something like this. It's it's good for them to I think see some of the problems that they had last year are not so easily cleaned up in one off season. And I would say specifically for Russ, Russ needs to be challenged as much as possible. Yeah. Because Russ can overcome this stuff. Russ is one of the best competitors that we've ever seen in the NFL. And I feel that he is going to take this head on. I think that he actually can find a way to get better through it. Bobby Wagner with that extra competitiveness too. I like that. I mean, when you have somebody that is your teammate and you are practicing against them, it is your job to make that player better. If you are going to be practicing against him, 
I liked that challenge, and I, I, I think that you have to hold other players accountable. That's one of the great parts about football. It's a team sport, and it's not just coaches that are trying to get you up to a certain level. It's players, too. Yep. It's competition, man. And don't we want to see the defense have great days? I mean, we want this defense to go into the regular season saying, look, all right, we're firing on all cylinders. We are ready to go. And, yeah, I love, I love the trash talk. I think Bobby – it's such a nice guy. Like his trash talk is like watered down a bit. You know what I mean? It was. But but at least at least he's throwing it out there. At least he's making Russ aware. Like, look, man, we're all over you. You know. And in my day, Dion Grant or Brian Russell would have been all over. Man, them boys were talking Leroy Hill, uh, Lofa Tatupu. Now they were nice with their trash talk, but it's competitiveness. That's what you want. That's what camp is for. You have to push each other. So I'm happy that the defense had the type of day that they had, and I'm happy the offense had their type of day. Man, let's. Get going. Let's work on these things. 2009. Jim Morris camp grind him out where they had practices starting at 730 in the morning and then 730 at night. Just spending 14 days. Oh, boy. It, yeah, it was it was it was bad idea all around. Like boy. it was. But How the was one that? thing that you did see is that uh, the safeties made sure that they were going to talk. It was kind of like an agreement was made that they were going to push Hasselback. And you would just hear <laughs> Russell and Dion Grant chirping at Hasselback the whole time. And it was because you don't usually see that. You don't usually see them getting at the starting quarterback, especially someone with his, his established track record. But that was that was part of that training camp that I remember. Love it. Need it. Part of the game. Question three. One of the things that Bump has stood out to me the most at training camp is, I would just say, the comparison between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. And, and I think Penny's still shaking off some of the cobwebs. But Chris Carson, and I think it was in Tuesday's practice, Goodness gracious, he he looked filthy. I mean, he was juking back and forth. He's doing all the things that we expect out of Chris Carson. And it looks like he's 100% healthy, which last year wasn't the case. He had the knee sprain. He had the foot injury. They didn't use him that much last year. So I actually went back and I compared the amount of snaps that Chris Carson got and the amount of times that he had the ball either thrown to him with a target or he had it handed off to him. And if you compare him to some of the other best running backs in the game, he's behind all of them. Snap percentage, he only played on 38% of snaps last season for the Seahawks. And, and and this is in the games he was available, not counting the games where he was injured. And on top of that, he was getting the ball about 15 and a half times a game. Are they going to give him the ball more this year? Or do you think that they're really going to try to split things between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny? Because they certainly have talked about Rashad Penny a whole lot over the last couple of days. I think they will give the ball, give him the ball more this year. Uh, and I think they have to. There's no knock on Rashad Penny. I think he's a, a solid number two. But in my opinion, Chris Carson is a top five running back in the NFL. And for what Shane Waldron wants to do with that zone look and influencing these linebackers and these safeties to kind of bite down, 32 is really going to establish that. He's the guy who's going to get downhill. He's the guy who's going to break tackles right now and make you pay for trying to come up and, and wrap him up. I don't see Rashad Penny kind of instilling that fear in the defense right now. Can he get there? Eventually, we will see. He has to be healthy. He just hasn't been healthy. But what we do know is that when 32 gets the ball, man, he can get hit in the backfield. He's still going to fall forward at least three yards at minimum. You know, that's just what he does. So I think they will feed him the ball. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to get as much touches as uh, Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott. He just doesn't need to. And I think that because of the weapons and offense that is going to be installed, he doesn't have to. He becomes... 
he becomes a uh, what do you call like a distraction. You know, he, he he's he's an illusion now. You think he's going to get the ball, but now you got that jet sweep, boom, you got that oh, that deep cross over the middle. So he will touch the ball a bit more, but there's no need for him to touch that rock. What? Zeke Elliott, sixty nine percent of the time. Derrick Henry, sixty six percent of the time. I just don't yeah. think there's a need for that. Man, when I looked at Paul's chart that he put together, and that is blue forty two. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. 